Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the friendliness of this church. Amen. Isn't that good? Father, we thank you that we're here to hear your word today, God. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, change our lives, that you'd speak to us specifically. Give us a word that we can walk home with and know that we've encountered your voice today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Awesome. So last week I started a series on the book of Ephesians. Um, And it's important sometimes that we go through uh, book by book, line upon line, precept upon precept. uh, And it's good to study the books of the Bible, not just have good sermons here and there. Um, so we started last week, we were talking about the book of Ephesians, and if we go to the next slide, the purpose of the book is, um, is really talking about the body expressed fully in the earth, okay, how Jesus' body is expressed fully in the earth. Number two, okay, both Jew and Gentiles become one people in Christ, okay, so it, Paul is trying to describe how uh, the Jews and the Gentiles are becoming one body. It's no longer the Jews, and those who are not Jews were considered Gentiles outside the Jewish faith. But both become one. So Paul really emphasized that. Number three, uh, the book is to empower, equip mature believers to enforce victory over evil. How many know we live in an evil world? And so there's evil all around us. God wants us to have, uh, he wants to empower and equip us to have victory over the evil that's around us, Okay. And so um, as we break down Ephesians, there's a, there's a progression to maturity from spiritual infancy uh, to military authority. And so we see here in chapter 1 to 3, um, there's the outline here, chapter 1 to 3 is the believer's position. So it's about learning how to stand. How many know if you can't stand, if a baby can't stand up, it can never walk, right? Standing comes first. And so chapter 1 to 3 is, is the believer's position, learning to stand. Chapter 4 to 5 is the believer's practice, which is learning to walk out your faith. And then chapter 6 is learning how to fight, okay, and talking about spiritual warfare as we finish off the book. And so last week we learned, just to do a quick review, that we need to understand some certain things in order to, uh, to stand in our faith. So to be able to stand in an evil and a perverse generation, we need to understand these three things. Number one, that God chose you. The Bible says from the foundations of the earth that God chose you because he knows, he, he can see the end from the beginning, and he knew that there'd be a humble person in Trenton or Frankfurt, wherever you're from, who would cry out to him and say, Lord, I, I choose you. And so God chose you. Isn't that awesome? The second thing we learned last week is it was his great pleasure to adopt you. So we're not, we're not just uh, the servants of the Lord. We are sons and daughters. We've been adopted. When we see words like adoption, right? We see that you're coming into a family unit. So God the Father is your father, and you're a son and daughter. Okay, the third thing we learned is that he made you acceptable, right? So the finished work of the cross, when Jesus died for your sins, your sins were washed away. So when God looks down, he sees the righteousness of his own son covering you, right? He made you acceptable. Now, it's important that we understand this because many times... As believers, we're trying, well, if I pray more, then maybe he'll accept me. If I read my Bible more, maybe he'll accept me, right? If I spend more time doing good things, maybe God will accept me. I got news for you today. 
He's already accepted you. Isn't that true, brother? He loves you. He already accepted you. So we're the one that we have to have a shift in the way we think. And that's the whole purpose of Ephesians. Paul is saying, I want them to understand how God sees what the situation. If, we, if we're not grounded in, in the love of God and that he has chosen us and that he loves if we're not grounded, if we're not standing on that, it's very hard to walk out your faith, right? Because then you get into just systems of, you know, behavior modification. It's not relational, right? And so last week I showed a video called The Still-Faced Dads. Do you guys remember that video? So this morning I want to show you Still-Faced Moms. Okay, we're going to see this. It's a two-minute video. We can play that. Babies this young are extremely responsive to the emotions and the reactivity and the social interaction that they get from the world around them. This is something that we started studying oh, 30, 40 years ago when people didn't think that infants could engage in social interaction. In this still face experiment, what the mother did was she sits down and she's playing with her baby who's about a year of age. I'm like a girl. Oh. And she gives a greeting to the baby. The baby gives a greeting back to her. This baby starts pointing at different places in the world and the mother's trying to engage her and play with her. They're working to coordinate their emotions and their intentions, what they want to do in the world. And that's really what the baby is used to. And then we ask the mother to not respond to the baby. The baby very quickly picks up on this. And then she uses all of her abilities to try and get the mother back. She smiles at the mother. She points because she's used to the mother looking where she points. The baby puts both hands up in front of her and says, what's happening here? She makes that screechy sound at the mother, like, come on, why aren't we doing this? Even in this two minutes when they don't get the normal reaction, they react with negative emotions, they turn away, they feel the stress of it, they actually may lose control of their posture because of the stress that they're experiencing. normal stuff that goes on that we all do with our kids. The bad is when something bad happens but the infant can overcome it. After all, when you stop the still face, the mother and the baby start to play again. The ugly is when you don't give the child any chance to get back to the good. There's no reparation and they're stuck in that really ugly situation. Awesome. So I show you that video because it's always first the natural, right? It reflects what's happening in the spiritual. And I talked about this last week is sometimes as believers, 
we can have a still-faced relationship with God the Father where we're not connected at an emotional level. And that's why, you know, Paul is laying out, and of course I don't have time to go back and teach last week's lesson, so if you haven't heard it, go back and watch it online. But Paul is saying you need to, you need to understand this in order to stand. God chose you with great pleasure. He adopted you, and he made you accepted. All right? He, he, he is our heavenly father. God wants us to have a relationship and conversation with him. We learned last week what he has freely given us. So he's freely given us. Uh, in him, he chose to adopt us. In him, he chose to adopt us. We'll go to the next slide. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And, I, and, and it's present tense, okay? And I want you to recognize when you're studying the Bible study, is it past tense, present tense, or future tense? In him, he chose to adopt us, past tense. He already chose you. He already loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Does it make you feel good? In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's already, it's here, present tense. You are forgiven, right? In him, we have obtained an inheritance. I talked about this last week. We've entered into the inheritance of the blessings of Abraham, and we've also became joint heirs with Christ. So we have eternal, you know, uh, inheritance with Christ. In him, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit when we believed, right? So these are things we covered uh, last week. And, and so the most important thing I want you to notice here is the word in him. Say in him. Okay. Now I'm just going to give you a real modern example of that. How many have ever watched any of the Marvel characters, right? So we have Tony Stark is just a normal human being. He doesn't have any superpowers. He doesn't belong with some of the, the Marvel superheroes. But when he gets into his Iron Man suit, suddenly he goes from natural to supernatural. He becomes a a, 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 he has all this power, and he can actually lead the Avengers, right? You understand that? Because he's in the suit. Like, when we're in Christ, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. When we're in Christ, when we're in relationship, we have an authority to walk in victory. In ourselves, we can't do it. We're like Tony Stark, right? We can't do anything until we get into Christ. And, and that's something we need to understand. And Paul wanted the church to understand this concept, okay? If you're not in Christ, and when I talk about being in Christ, I'm talking about being in relationship, you're an open target for the enemy. And so I was looking at this study this week that was done by the CDC, okay? So it's not a Christian study, but we're going to bring this up. They recently released this youth risk behavior survey, and among the findings, 57% of teenage girls in 2021 reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless, up from 30% in 2011. So we see it's, it's getting worse, okay? Similar, similarly, 29% of teen boys feel persistently sad or hopeless, up from 21% only a decade ago. 30% of teenage girls have serious considered, seriously considered suicide, up from 19% in 2011. We see that increase. 58% of teens with same-sex partners have seriously considered ending their lives. These are statistics. And what we're seeing is that as people are not finding their identity in Christ, the enemy comes in and has a heyday. There's depression and discouragement because God has designed us to be in relationship with him. Adam and Eve uh, were in partnership with God in the garden. When they sinned, they were separated from God. When we get saved, we get reconnected to God, right? 
And so we have a whole world around us. Things are only getting worse. And that's why it's time for revival. This is a time that people are hungry because they're looking for identity. Amen? And though these numbers are really tragic when we look at these statistics, they also underline this statement or this, uh, the importance of the mission of hope that the church brings. We're to be a hope to the society that, uh, that's separated from God, okay? We are designed to be in a relationship with God, and when that's not there, things get really ugly because of the void that's there in the hearts of people. So we understand, I want you to say with me, I'm loved, I'm adopted, I'm forgiven, I have an inheritance, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Those are some good things. And this is what, this is what Paul is explaining in chapter 1. You need to understand this if you're going to be able to stand and if you're going to be able to walk. But many Christians are not even aware of this reality. They come to church and they just feel ashamed and I need to pray more and I don't know if God accepts me. And we start getting moved by our feelings instead of by what God's Word says. And so this is the issue that we're running into, right? And so the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And... um, So then we read on, okay, so Paul says you need to understand all these things if you're going to be able to stand. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 20, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray, say always pray, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of Him, for we know the Father through the Son. Okay, so I'm reading, of course, out of the Amplified, right? Because it just amplifies it. Right? But it's, it's very interesting to understand that the first prayer that Paul prays, the first thing he says is, God, grant them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So why is Paul saying, God, would you grant it to them? It's because they don't have it, or they have it in part. Now, this is exciting because that tells me that the Scripture is true when it says we move from glory to glory to glory. We can grow in God and be somewhere in 20 years that we are not in now. See, God wants us to grow in our relationship, grow in our faith, right? And we can go from glory to glory. And so many of us go from glory to, I'm sorry, glory to, I'm sorry, Glory to I'm sore, and we get stuck in that system, that pattern, right? And I'm here to tell you today is, is, is Paul was saying, God, would you grant to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Now, wisdom and revelation are not to be interpreted as mystical. We'll go to the next slide there. Not to be interpreted as mystical, like I know something that you don't know, and I'm God's favorite. That's not what we're talking about, okay? The word wisdom here refers to practical, workable principles. And Paul is saying, you need to be praying, God, open my eyes so I can see the principles that are practical so I can have better marriage, so that my kids will serve you in 20 years, so that I can uh, obtain health in my body. Whatever it is, uh, that wisdom, Paul is saying, you need to pray that your eyes are opened up so you can receive it, okay? Revelation refers to a clear perception 
an application or an understanding which only comes through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So how many know we need wisdom and we need revelation? And I believe, as I've studied the Word, that the level of wisdom and revelation that we walk in is limited by our hunger for it. So I think some of us are going to get to heaven, right? And we're going to stand before God and you say, you mean I could have had this? I could have walked in this authority. I could have not had to deal with that infirmity in my body. I could, we're going to be, God says, yeah, yeah, all this was available. And we didn't know about it because we didn't pursue it. When we go to the book of Proverbs, I love this, chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. God is speaking. He says, my child. How many here would say I'm a child of God? Let me see your hand. It's a few of us. Awesome. Good. The rest of you will have an altar call later. Proverbs 2, 1 to 5. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commandments. Tune your ears to wisdom, okay, and concentrate, what does it say? On understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. And so it's like what, what we're being told here, the writer of Proverbs is saying, we're supposed to come and say, cry out and say, God, I need insight. I want understanding. Lord, would you show me? What is the key to my kid's heart? What is the key to get breakthrough in this area? God, I want you to reveal. So we come, we open the Bible, and we cry out for insight. We cry out and we ask for understanding. It says, search for them as you would for silver. Okay? Seek them like hidden treasures. So if someone put an ad on the news today and said, uh, we found gold in Trenton, and this is the feel that it's in, I guarantee you, There'd be 20,000 people down there with shovels, and I'd be there too, trying to get that gold out of the ground, right? Because we, there's value, and we know there's value there, but that's temporal value. And what God is saying here, he's saying, search for them as you would for silver. Seek as if it's hidden treasure. And look what the promise is. Then you will understand what, is, what it means to fear the Lord. That word fear means to respect and to honor the Lord. And you will gain, what? The knowledge of God, right? And so that's why I say it's up to, to us. And, and I've seen that so many times where um, I, I know of ministers, and I love them, and I don't say this judgmental, but they've got 10 years of, of Bible seminary, and they've got enough degrees. They've got the alphabet behind their name, you know, those kind of people. And, and, they, and they can't work out their marriage, and, and they're struggling uh, with depression, and they're, they're just down and out all the time, and their churches aren't doing well because they have all the information, but they don't have a face-to-face with God. They have a still-faced father. How many hear what I'm saying? The only degree I want is red hot. All those other degrees are good. I mean, they're helpful, I guess. But I want to be red hot for Jesus because that's how we build a church. We're in love with God. We have a relationship with God. And people want that. Amen? It's not just about what's going on here. It's what's happening in the heart. Okay? And so then Paul begins to pray in verse 18. He says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, so not the eyes of your head, the eyes of your heart, which is the very center and core of your being, okay? And it actually means the, uh, the seat of the emotions is what that Greek word means, the seat of the emotions, the inner man, subconscious mind. It's that deep, deep part of who you are, okay? 
that that deep core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, that the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, which are God's people. So the second thing that Paul prays, and we'll go to the next slide here, is he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. Do you know why he was praying, God, would you flood these people's hearts with light? Because their hearts were not filled with light. They were on the journey. They were loved, accepted. They're Christians, but they haven't been flooded with light yet, right? It's awesome. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, I want you to get this and really understand this for a moment, okay? The Bible says that we are new creation in Christ. Have you ever really stopped to think about what that means? Because, you know, what really happens when you accept the Lord is God's Spirit comes down and joins with your spirit, and we become one with Christ. Now, it's a mystery. Paul says, this is a mystery I'm speaking. We'll understand it in, in eternity. Now, what I, I'm not saying we become gods with a small g or demigods or anything like that. We don't become God, but we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're connected in relationship with Jesus. So all the way from eternity past, all the way back through the Old Testament, all the way up to the resurrection of Jesus, you had animals and you had human beings. But what happened when we got saved, the Holy Spirit moved into a human and we became a new creation. Man, intimately connected to God, never happened before. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit would come upon the prophets and they would prophesy. The Holy Spirit would come and, and Moses would do miracles and the presence of God would come upon people but never lived inside of people. What an amazing thing. God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you and I. And, and Paul is saying, God, would you open their eyes to understand what that actually means? Like if we got up in the morning and looked in the mirror and said, God is in me. And that power that he has is all packaged in him and it's in me. Man, depression has, I mean, depression can't hang out. I mean, it's got to go somewhere because when you realize what it means to have Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's pretty exciting stuff. Amen. Well, give the, hand, the Lord a hand. I mean, this is good. So the flooding of light causes us to know and cherish the hope of God, the hope of which is Christ. And the flooding reveals to us the unlimited power that is in us. So I'm going to read verse 19. So Paul says, the light that's going to flood you is good because you're going to begin to know what the immeasurable, say immeasurable. immeasurable. Do you know what it means to be immeasurable? It means you can't measure it. Okay? The unlimited the surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us. Where is all that power? In us. Okay? Who believe. These are according to the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So his power is immeasurable. Say immeasurable. immeasurable. Unlimited. Unlimited. Active. active. In me. Okay? 
So it says that power is active in us who believe. If we don't believe, his power is measurable, it's limited, and it's not so active. But if we believe, then it becomes immeasurable. You see the difference? It's all about our attitude of confidence in God that opens the door for the blessings of God in our life. And Paul wanted the church to know that. Listen, you've got everything you need in life inside of you because you got Jesus. And it's immeasurable power. It's great power. It's unlimited. It's active in those who believe. And and I'm telling you guys, in these end days, God wants his church to rise up and to recognize the greatness of God in us. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 2.4, Paul said this. He said, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric, but they were delivered in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of His power, stirring the minds and the listeners and persuading them. Okay? So, arguing and debating and from Scripture, there's a time and place for that. We always got to know our Bibles. But it's just as important, in some ways more important, that the Holy Spirit is stirring the minds of the listeners to persuade them that Jesus is the anchor for their soul. Amen? So, the point that Paul is making is there's always more to come. There's always deeper waters. Say that with me. There's always more to come. There's always deeper waters. So there's no need to be a bored Christian. Every time we open our Bible, like I don't know how many times I've read a passage and I'm like, I never saw that before. I never saw that before. And it's, it's like a supernatural book. And, and what's happening is God is opening up our hearts so we can receive more, receive more, so we can grow for His glory, not for our glory, for His glory. Amen? And so, this is important because if we have just the Word, we dry up. Say that with me. If I have just the Word, I dry up. If I have just the Spirit, I blow up. If I have the Word and the Spirit, together, I grow up. Right? That's so important. Because we all know, we've all been around people who are like, you know, they're just in the spirit. And they're like, well, the Lord showed me this. The Lord, and you're like, whoa, 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 where's, what, where's the Bible coming to this? Like, does it, does it agree with the word? And, and whoo, you know, it's just, we don't want to be those people. We want to have balance. Amen? So in summarizing this, the, the first prayer that Paul talked about in Ephesians, God grant wisdom and understanding. God flood their hearts with light. Why? To understand and op- appreciate our hope, which is Christ, and to reveal God's unlimited power in us. Isn't that good? So I'm going to have Anita, if you want to pass out uh, a package to each group, and they can hand them out, and then I'll take one as well. I want you guys to take these prayers. And what I've done with this prayer is I've taken the, the prayer, this first prayer in Ephesians, and I've personalized it. And I'm going to pray it every day this week. You know, as Paul was praying for this, I'm going to pray it over myself. And I'm asking you to join me in that. Once a day, pray that prayer because I believe there's power in that prayer. And we're going to do it together in just a few minutes as soon as everyone gets one.
It'll take a few minutes to get them passed out. Did, did everybody get one? They're coming. Between both services, we've been pretty full, so I might not have printed off enough. So you've got to expect revival here. What's going on? Did I, did I, I got a few more here. Does anyone else need one? Okay. We have more over there. They're coming. You going to memorize it? All right. All right, when everyone's got one, we'll get. Yeah. Yeah. So, and here's the thing. If, if you, there's a few more here. If you're, not, if you're not a Christian yet, you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus, you can do that, right? And I'll pray with you after we do the prayer here. There's a couple more here. Hands are up there. Okay, we're good? Okay. Now, if someone doesn't have one, I will print some more after the service. I will not leave you forsaken. I will get you one, okay? Awesome. All right, let's stand together. We're going to pray this together and um, just take our time and read through it, okay? We ready? We're going to start at Father of Glory. Father of glorify, glory, may you grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives me deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of you. For I know you, Father, through your Son. I also pray that the eyes of my heart, the very center and core of my being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that I will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which you have called me, that I will know the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people, and so that I will begin to know what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of your active spiritual power is in me because I believe. These are in according with the working of your mighty strength, which you produced in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age, and the world, but also in the age to come. And you put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appoint him as the supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which I am part of. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that every day, you watch what God will do in your life. You'll start reading the Bible You'll start having people come up and talk to you, and you'll be like, God's talking to me. God's talk-. Why? Because you're being like the one searching for hidden treasure, saying, God, I'm satisfied in everything you've done, but I want more of you. And there's something in that 
that will bring breakthrough for your life. Just before I hand this over to Pastor Peter, if there's anybody here, you say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. If you're watching us online and you're saying, I've never accepted Jesus, I, I, I haven't realized maybe that when he died on the cross, he died for my sins to wash them away. If, you, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I just want to pray with you. If you're in this place or you're online, okay, no one in the house today. But if you're following us online, we're going to pray this prayer with you. Okay, so why don't we do that as church? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I ask that you would cleanse me. I call you my Lord. And I ask that you'd send your Holy Spirit to live inside of my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.